Welcome to Boss of My Money podcast, your number one choice for bite-sized lessons on how to take care of your coins and achieve financial success. I am your host, Esther Bangura, financial educator, budgeting expert, and the founder of Boss of My Money. So whether it's improving your money habits, developing a wealthy mindset, becoming debt-free, saving money, or learning how to invest. Girl, say no more because you are in the right place. And if you want to get clear about where you stand financially, why not get your hands on one of my amazing freebies? Stop by at bossofmymoney.com slash minicourse. Now, it's time to put the kettle on, make yourself a cup of tea and join me in today's episode. Be sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes. So today I have a special guest. Her name is Natasha Hill, and she's going to be sharing with us her financial journey and particularly to her buying her first property. So Natasha and I recently bought our council properties um, and we closed around about the same time. I think we were a few weeks apart and it was a really interesting um, and exciting time for us. And we were kind of sharing the excitement together And so I'm super, super thrilled to be talking to Natasha about the process. So Natasha, thank you for joining me today. Please introduce yourself and tell us more about you and what you do. Okay, thanks so much, Esther. Um, Really feel privileged to be on your podcast, been listening to it for a while as well. Um, Yeah, so to introduce myself then, uh, my name is Natasha Hill, as you already said. Um, you know, in my kind of day job, I work uh, for an international bank as a currency dealer. Uh, I'm a mother of two teens. Well, actually not teens anymore. My daughter's 18 in the meantime, so she's an adult. <laughs> and my son turned uh, 17. So um, I'm a you know, single parent uh, working full time and um, yeah, kind of on my financial journey. Um, yeah, so to kind of go a bit more into that, uh, in uh, May 2020, I was in uh, over £17,000 worth of consumer debt. Uh, that included credit cards, store cards, loans, uh, car finance. And uh, that figure doesn't actually include the overdraft uh, that I had at the time as well. Um, so I guess it was nearer the 20000 mark. You know, so uh, in just under a year, um, I've managed to clear £10,000 worth of that debt. And uh, well done. <laughs> yeah, and I've got, um, now I've got one credit card left to pay, uh, which has, you know, a balance of £6,000. Um, as a higher rate taxpayer, uh, salary-wise, I cannot really complain. However, mm. as a single parent, it is, you know, a struggle nevertheless uh, when you're just on one income and you have, you know, mouse to feed, you know, uh, <laughs> clothes to put on kids' backs and yeah. things like that. Even though they're a bit older now, my daughter has her own job now and everything. But, you know, you're still the parent, so there's still costs involved. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I've uh, saving-wise not really saved as much as I've really over the last year focused on getting that consumer debt down. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I've got in savings, I have got a £1,000 saved at the moment. Initially, that was kind of following the uh, David Ramsey, as yeah. in, yeah, I'm not sure you know about that pa- as well. Pa- Papa Dave, I call him, Papa Dave. Yeah, yeah I've definitely seen on some of your posts, you've, you've mentioned him as well. Yeah. Kind of, you know, start with that emergency fund initially 
monthly of a thousand pounds, you know, and kind of following those steps through. Um, I've really gone really hard on repaying my debts, my consumer debts, and I have got one thousand pounds saved. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's been really the the kind of high interest um, credit card debts that I really just wanted to get rid of. Um, I think I just didn't see, you know, how much debt I was actually in. It mm. was. It was like I was on a debt merry-go-round actually for the last two decades, really. I have been in debt before, a much higher figure. It was in the region of £30,000 the very first time round. Uh, that was in 2010. Um, and what was that? Was that just credit cards, store cards, just consumer yeah, debt? Yeah, yeah, once again, um, so unsecured debt, as mm-hmm. they call it, so not secured um, against the house, uh, just literally credit cards, loans, and you know, when I say this, it's not about me taking out these things to live a flashy life at all. You know, yeah. sometimes it has just been for regular expenses, you know, mm-hmm. just kind of keeping the lights on at home. Um, you know, don't get me wrong, sometimes maybe going on a holiday that I shouldn't have gone on with the kids, but you know, sometimes haven't we all, haven't we all? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, you know, that that was the first time uh, round that I was in debt in 2010. I then went into an IVA, an uh, individual volunteer arrangement. Yeah. Um, what, what I found with that, it, uh, within five years, I managed to clear a lot of debt. Um, I was debt free as well, but it didn't take much longer for me to get back into debt again, to fall back into that trap. Yeah. I think what it is as well, you know, when you're in such an arrangement, you're not really taught in that mm. arrangement how to actually manage your finances it's literally yeah. you just report to you know this company you've got to sh- you know sh- share your pay slips and your income and expenses and everything but there's no real guidance on how to stay out of debt once it's gone um I, you know I agree with you because the same thing happened to me where I found Susie Orman so this was like around 2000 and Around 2013, 14, I found Susie Orman. She was like the first financial educator that I discovered. I paid off my student loan, but as quick as I paid it off, I then jumped onto credit card debt. And it's interesting because like you said, um, there's one thing paying off debt, but there's another thing learning how to manage finance and having a game plan for when you pay off the debt. So I always say to people, have a plan for what you're going to do once you pay off the debt, because otherwise you're going to end up going right back to where you were. So the same thing happened to both of us. Yes, definitely. We've got so much in common, don't we? We have, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um, yeah. So that was, um, I think, this. so the second time round, uh, so this is the second time round really uh, paying off my debts. Uh, I'm still paying off my debts, as I said, but it, it was really... Um, you know, when the pandemic came about, uh, I think what happened really is, you know, working from home instead of uh, in the office. So I wasn't on the go every day, commuting back and front to work, uh, not rushing in to cook something. You know, it was just lockdown obviously has been a devastating period for a lot of people. People have lost loved ones and everything. So I'm definitely not saying that, you know, it's been a great time. Mm. Um, But if I just look at my personal situation my personal financial and debt situation um it has actually nearly forced me to do something about my financial situation you know because it, obviously restaurants were closed um you know clubs were closed you know shops non-essential shops uh closed 
you know, nail parlors, you know, hairdressers, all these places that normally I would go and spend money that I didn't have, you know, all three days weren't around anymore. And it seemed like, I, you know, a, a switch just went off in my head. Um, and I just thought to myself, even without making an effort, I was already seeing that there was more left of my disposable income because I wasn't going out for meals. Yeah. I wasn't, you know, going out for drinks and things like that. So, um, yeah, obviously it hit in March, uh, but it wasn't until May, really, that I, uh, you know, finally came around to make a start. Mm. I just started watching a lot of YouTube videos and started just becoming really interested in, um, you know, personal finance. And I, I just knew all along that I needed to do something about it. But it's always I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it next mm. month. I'll do it next year. And it just never nothing changes, doesn't it? So, um I must say that I'm grateful for this period, although it sounds a bit weird, but I think uh, it, this is the only way I could have done this, pay off, you know, 10 grand worth of debt in just under a year um, with six grand left to go. I, I think if it wasn't for lockdown, I don't even think I would have got that far because I wouldn't yeah. have had the time to think. Um, yeah. You know, my, my life's been really busy. I've got a very demanding job. Um, you know, so there's not really a lot of time for me to actually think, if you know what I mean. So yeah. I've even realised now as I'm starting slowly but surely to go back to the office a bit again, um, obviously, you know, transport for London costs again, you know, uh, even though it's once a week so far and we're going to move now to twice a week. Um, you know, even things that I saved on were like, you know, lunches. Obviously, you can bring in your own lunch, but you know, when you're kind of stuck in a rut and you're just kind of going about every day, you don't really think about bringing in your lunch. You just, you know, always in a rush and you just think, oh, I'll just buy lunch. And before you know it, on a yearly basis, even if you maybe buy a meal deal at Boots or Tesco's, you can, you know, spend about £700 a year on that. So what adds up, doesn't it? And it's, I think it's, I love that you've um, mentioned that because, Sometimes in life, you know, life happens to us, right? You know, there's only so much in our control and it's what you do with the situation when life happens to us. So you could have either just been like, oh my gosh, lockdown sucks and, you know, I can't live the life that I want to live. I can't do the things that I normally do. But you seize that opportunity to say, okay, let me do some self-reflection. What change do I want in my life? And how am I able to utilize this experience for me to be able to achieve that change? And so it's so important that when life does happen to us, that we have the option, right? We can't control what's happened, but we can choose how we respond to that. And out of a horrible situation, you know, COVID and the pandemic, horrible time for many people. You know, people lost their lives, their family, people became ill, some people lost their jobs. And horrible but out of that horrible experience you know we still can make something good and worthwhile out of it so I just want to commend you for you know even taking that step forward you know and welcoming that change because it's not an easy thing to do a lot of people see us who are on our financial journey like it's we just wake up one morning and we're like yes I want to change exactly (laughs) it doesn't happen that way it's And it's not just one day, it's, you know, a series of events. And then there's one thing that will push us to finally make that decision and want that change. And even when we decide that we want that change, 
we make daily sacrifices. We have to choose, you know, that change and that new lifestyle every single day when we wake up because there's still the temptation. Even though shops were closed, we could still go online and shop, right? There was nothing stopping us from getting our credit cards, sitting in front of the computer. And, you know, I found even more temptation because everything was online. You know, before I was, I'm not a, much of an online shopper. I prefer to go into stores. We try so, it on if it's closed, yeah. Exactly, but I've, I found myself very tempted to go online because, you know, everything moved to online and everyone's emailing you and you go on social media and there's all these ads and, you know, so just want to commend you for um, making that decision during a really tough time to bring about the change that you have, you know, in your, in your life. And also um, there was something you said at the beginning, and I really want our listeners to really hear this and, and get a big takeaway from it is that you didn't allow having debt or not having a lot of savings stop you from buying your house. Now, <laughs> because there's so many ways that we could, you know, we could do our financial journey. And I'm really happy to have you here today because our listeners get to see that there's no one size fits all for personal finance. You have to decide what you want for yourself and you have to map out that journey for yourself. So I will give tips. I will share my journey, right? But it's for each person to figure out what their sweet spot is, you know, to be like, okay, these are my goals and this is what I want to work, work towards and this is the most important thing. Whether you decide to save first and then pay off debt or whether you decide to pay off debt first and then save, it's entirely up to you and there's no right or wrong way. No, it's really true what you say. I mean, um, most probably you hear it a lot as well in the um, finance space that, you know, personal finance is personal. So, you know, you can follow 10,000 pages or, you know, watch a million YouTube videos, you know, you take out the bits that actually apply to you and which will help you. Because, mm-hmm. you know, don't get me wrong, um, at one point I did think to myself, okay, you're paying off your debt at rapid speed. Now you want to buy a flat. You're going to be six figures in debt, not just <laughs> not just 17,000, you know. But I've had to kind of see it as, um, I had to learn that, you know, buying your property is not doesn't mean necessarily that you have an asset straight away but it has taught me that it's a different kind of debt compared to credit card store card you know the high interest kind yeah. of debt how I see it now is yes um the property you know it is still a liability however I can make it into an asset further down the line um you know even partially uh, for example, my daughter will be going off to university. There will be a room available. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean I want to jump, you know, and, you know, uh, kind of rent it out. But, you know, there's a possibility of doing that. And that will then help as well, you know, bring in an extra income. You know, so, yeah, what you said is true. I mean, um, I did not let the debt stop me. I, I felt like this was the only time for me to actually do that. I mean, I'm 40 plus myself. Uh, I've kind of uh, fought for a long time as well that I've missed the boat, uh, as in, you know, to buy a property. Mm. Um, I would look at the term of, you know, mortgage lengths and everything, and I would just think, oh, you know, I'll be scary. 
I'll be dead by the time I pay it off, <laughs> you know, um, and things like that. So I, I let fear stop me uh, to actually buy this property before. I've been living in my council flat for, well, since 2004. So it's a long time I've been living here. Same with me, I think 2003. Yeah, so not, yeah, just a year difference and anything in common. <laughs> so, um, you know, I have previously um, looked into the opportunity to buy the property. Uh, I did get a price back. And if I compare that price with what uh, the valuation was now, I could actually kick myself in the teeth. <laughs> Don't even go there because I'm telling you, we'll just live in regret. Because I remember when I first um, wanted to buy my council flat, I could have bought it for like 120,000 or something. Yeah. I ended up buying it at like 209. But, you know, now's the best time. We could have bought it 10 years ago, but like I always say, I probably would have lost my flat. I probably would have remortgaged so many times that I would have bought it three times over. So I just feel like now is the time for me to have bought it because I know what to do with it. And this is the thing, like there's so many people that are homeowners, but they've remortgaged so many times that they've bought the house like three times over. Um, So even if you have a mortgage, it's not an indication that you're good with money or good with finance or in a good financial position. So I think for us, like now is the right time. We we're going to be smart about our mortgage and, do the right Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. No, I, I definitely um, am in on that with you. Uh, if I kind of look back, if I would have bought it before, um, I've actually seen a close family member uh, have their property repossessed. Um, that literally put me off. And I, I think I would always kind of look at other people as well, like, mm, you know, that's for those kind of people. You know, that's not for people like me. Um, and funnily enough, I mean, uh, I was born in the UK, but I actually grew up in Amsterdam in Holland. I don't think I mentioned that to you before. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so I lived, yeah, so I lived in Holland um, for 16 years. Um, and in Europe, not just Holland, I, I think owning property is a very UK thing, to be honest. I mean, other European countries have come up to speed in that mm. respect. But when I grew up, you know, like places like uh, Holland, Germany, uh, you know, France, you know, owning a property wasn't kind of like, you know, didn't have the same status, let me say, as, you know, in the UK. Mm. Um, so I think that also had maybe a bit to do with it. You know, I've seen, obviously, a close family member have the house repossessed. When I grew up, you know, buying a property wasn't, you know, the means to an end. Um, and just also, you know, the fear um, you know, being a single parent, it means that all that responsibility falls solely on me. Yeah. Um, so you start thinking about the, all the what ifs and all those what ifs then stop you from actually making that decision. You know, when I when I previously applied, um, you know, to, to, to buy this uh, flat, um, I actually chickened out <laughs> because I was literally just thinking about all the times you chickened out. I want to see if you chickened out more than me. But only twice, to be fair. This <laughs> was like my third time, and I was almost going to chicken out. I was this close, you know, yeah, this close. It's, it's a big decision. It's a really big decision. Yes. No, it definitely is. And I think um, as humans, we tend to focus 
more on the negative, don't we, than the positive. So obviously, of late, we've also been seeing a lot going on with all the cladding problems. Yes. You know, and, you know, I just thought to myself, knowing me, my property has that cladding, <laughs> you know. So, um, yeah, I did actually end up uh, getting an independent surveyor. Um, obviously, when we go through the process in a bit, yeah, more than that. Um, but I had to make sure that I wouldn't be, you know, stuck with a property that I couldn't, you know, ever sell or, you know, that had that cladding on it, if you know what I mean. Yeah. You know, the, you know, the devastation that happens, um, you know, Grenfell Tower. So, mm. um, yeah, I, I think it was just um, also being quite an indecisive person, not so much now, but especially when I was younger, quite indecisive. Uh, always asking for other people's opinions. It, it was as if I didn't trust my own yeah. vision. You know, yeah. um, there's been things, other things in life sometimes that I've decide, made decisions on and it, it always has seemed like it's been the wrong one. So, yeah, I did, it was like I was just wanted someone else to decide for me, if you know what I mean. Have you, have you found that being on your personal finance journey that you've learned how to trust yourself more and to trust the decisions absolutely absolutely I feel as well that obviously it's great to reach out to people uh, ask for help but I do it uh, less and less now because um, I know what my why is I know what my goals are um, and everyone's opinion is different you know everyone's mindset is different Um, I feel that kind of two decades of being in and out of debt have actually also um I've struggled quite a lot with depression during all those years but I think you know I'm that kind of person that I'm I'm quite good at just getting on with things you know you would never know um but I definitely trust myself more and I feel that another byproduct uh during my you know financial journey is that I'm looking also at things like living more sustainably um so you know kind of not you know not always the fast fashion you know things like that um you know even with shopping you know not forgetting your own uh bag you know not having all these bags going doesn't it yeah no it definitely does it's just a little things and I mean like what you said earlier during lockdown and uh emails flying by and which encourage you to shop online. I think, you know, one of the first things I did was uh, unsubscribe from all those emails. Um, and there were a few that sometimes you unsubscribe from. I'm, I'm sure you've had it before that they still slip through sometimes. But, you know, there's literally hardly any emails that come through now. So in a way, not to tempt myself, because at the end of the day, I am still human and I have had a past of falling back in, you know, to... <laughs> that uh around. yeah so I think I, just by eliminating these things that has definitely helped me mm-hmm. um and I, I think as well this might not sound as positive but mm-hmm. I, I feel that this second time round of paying off my debt um because I wasn't in a indivi- individual um voluntary arrangement in IVA it's it's literally kind of been controlled by me how I pay the debt off. Um, what is maybe a negative aspect is uh, I've been told this by family members. It, it, it is as if I've been punishing myself, as in you know nothing fun, no nothing. You know, even when sometimes during um, last year, when sometimes lockdown you know was eased a bit and 
you could actually go and do your nails and your hair and everything. I was literally like, no, no, no. It was as if I said to myself, you've been in debt before, Tash. You haven't learned your lesson, so no. It was as if I was being very strict with myself and as if I was punishing myself. Obviously, the positive result is that I've managed to pay back 10 grand worth of debt in just under a year. Um, But I have now kind of started realising you do need to also budget for a bit of fun in your life. Um, If you don't do that, it can become a bit of a a drag and a chore. Mm. Um, So, you know... As long as you, you know, budget that. And even if it's just something simple, even, you know, self-care doesn't necessarily have to cost a lot. You can do things at home and everything, but you definitely need to set a time aside for that. For me, it was just all about every day, all day, pay for debt, pay off your debt, pay for debt. Look, you're in debt again, Tash. You know, all these voices yeah, going yeah. through my head. And you I, know. Think, I think there's a, there's almost like a fine line with that because, when you start to pay off debt, sometimes you have to be aggressive about it, right? You yeah. have to just have that black and white line to say, right, this is how I got into debt. And so if I continue in that way, then I'm never going to get out. So you almost have to do a 360 yeah. and, you know, really just double down and no fun and no going out. And some people can do that all the way through their debt repayment journey because it's the only way that they can stay focused on it, right? Yeah. And for other people, you know, they will do that for a few months and then they get it's not sustainable for them because actually they need to have a bit of fun. And so if they don't recognize in that moment that actually, okay, I've done really well for six months, let me just kind of have a little bit of fun even if it's £50 a month that I have as a fun part, um, I can still have a little bit of enjoyment and still pay off my debt. I think sometimes there's too much of a grey line and it's where people don't have that right balance of, okay, my goal is to pay off the debt um, and I'm not going to like blow £100 every week because I know that that's going to slow down my debt repayment. So, there's different ways to do it, but I'm happy that you found your sweet spot because I do encourage people to incorporate a fun pot even whilst they're paying off debt because what it does is it helps you to have your cake and eat it too within limit. And like yeah. you said, have it in your budget. So you're budgeting for it, you're planning in advance for it and you're still paying off your debt, you know, mm-hmm. and you've got, you've got to live life. You know, life is... Sure, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. The only thing that we're guaranteed is today is right now. But in saying that, we need to be smart with our money because we are likely to live till 50, 60, 70. And it's not when we get to that age that we're going to be like, oh my gosh, you know, (laughs) I ain't got no money. (laughs) You know, so um, yeah, so it's important to definitely incorporate. I did something very similar to you where, I went aggressive. Yeah. I literally said to friends and family, don't invite me anywhere. No birthday celebrations. I will invite you to my house and cook for you. I will come over to your house and I'll tidy up your house on your birthday. I don't have money to spend. And it was like that for a whole year. And it yeah. wasn't until I paid off a, a chunk of my debt that I then started to have a bit more fun. But the one thing I did do was go to the hair salon so I picked one thing 
to treat myself, you know, once a month and I would go to the hair salon. And that was my way of just saying, Esther, well done, you're doing it, you're sacrificing. So even if it's just one thing that you love doing, that you continue to do whilst you're paying off your debt, just to reward yourself because you are doing the work. Exactly. No, I definitely see, um, I'm on that with you. I mean, for me, it's also been a whole year of aggressive, you know, as I said, basically punishing myself in a way, you know, no fun at all. Um, but after paying back 10 grand, um, I feel like, okay, I can incorporate a bit of fun. Um, I've got to remember as well, I do still have my two children. Luckily, they're learning from this as well. Mm. Uh, this is what I find important to make sure that that um, vicious cycle gets broken yeah. um, of, you know, debt. Um, but just like yourself, I do now have um, a fun budget as well. Um, for me, it's it's obviously, well, it's summer holidays already for my kids because they're, you know, bigger, you know, nearly going to uni and stuff like that. But um, I really enjoy dancing. And now that, you know, dance studios are open again, okay. I've, I've done, that's my one little... You're going to have to share a video with me. Yeah! <laughs> I'll look out for it on Instagram. Yeah. No, definitely. So that's one thing that I've kind of incorporated back in. Um, number one, you know, it's also good for my exercise, yeah. you know, moving my body. Uh, and it does actually help with your mental health as well. Yeah. Because, you know, when you're on that, debt uh, repayment journey maybe you know as well it can feel quite lonely at times yeah when you're going through that and like you said when you're telling people don't invite me to nowhere this that 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 it can be quite become sometimes a bit lonely if you just always having you know people around and things like that so I do think um yeah anything you can do to lift your spirits up yeah as well that you know to kind of keep going is very important yeah, you can definitely do both alongside each other. It, it just takes discipline and staying focused um, and not allowing your wants and desires to kind of derail your goal for being debt-free or saving or buying a property, whatever your financial goals are. So before we get into the home buying process, um, mm -hmm. what would you say You know, your goals are now and why are they important to you? Okay, so my goals now are to, by the end of this year, pay that six grand that I've still got left. Um, I've recently transferred that six grand um, to a interest-free credit card. Because yeah, I've been paying off so much debt in the meantime, my credit score has gone up, so I got a better deal. Well done. Um, yeah, so instead of paying back a lot of interest, now I just know that the capital is just going to be repaid. Yeah. So that is the first goal, to have that credit card cleared by the end of this year. Mm -hmm. um, it could be sooner, but there's just a few other things. Um, so I've just kind of said to myself, give yourself self-breathing space. Yeah. The goal is the end of this year to have that gone. And if it's sooner, great. Especially now you have the mortgage as well. So you've got additional expenses. Um, exactly. Being a homeowner that you have to prioritise. Yeah, exactly. And um, my daughter's going off to university. And unfortunately, uh, due to my income, she's not going to get the full student maintenance allowance. Yeah. So I'm going to obviously have to contribute a bit as well. She will, you know, uh, get a job, but yeah. um, that's going to be another expense helping her through yeah. uni. Yeah. 
Um, so that is the first goal. Uh, the second goal is once that has gone, you know, the kind of additional funds that I will have then because I won't be paying back that debt is to start investing. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> yeah, so that is uh, definitely my goal. Um, and I think I kind of touched a bit earlier on um, that I think it's quite controversial, even on the pages that both of us follow, that, you know, some people will say that, you know, mortgage is still a debt and, you know, it's still a liability. So I think um, after paying off the debt and starting investing, see how I get on with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next goal would definitely be to partially make this property into an asset by renting out yeah. the rooms, yeah. um, you know, because that will then obviously um, bring in an extra income as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I've mentioned earlier that I have been doing some side hustles on the side as well to help pay that down that debt uh, faster and yeah. this is something that I do um, still continue to this day and I will continue I think uh, the COVID period has taught us that you know jobs are not secure um, I think we grow up very much you know being told go to school get a good job you know and then kind of work until retirement but you know these days a job for life is kind of a thing of the past. Yeah, so it is, it's very important to have those extra income sources. If your job all of a sudden falls away, like it did for many people over the COVID period, if you have something else to kind of fall back on, yeah, kind of like a cushion, um, that's really important. So, yeah, goal definitely number one. I think I've, I've been very much doing things step by step. Mm-hmm. So even though I've got my goals, I try not to have too many if you know what I mean because in the past I have sometimes had goals and they're so unachievable that I'm feeling like a failure because I haven't achieved those goals I couldn't agree with you more I think having too many goals is I find it stressful overwhelming and our money can only do so much and I think sometimes we stretch our money too thin um I find that when I have specific goals and I'm working on them one at a time, I achieve them quicker. Exactly. Because you see the back of it. You're just yeah. like, what do I need to do to clear this 1,000? Or what do I need to do to get my savings up to another two, three grand? So I, I yeah. definitely agree with you. There's some people that can juggle 10 million things. If that works for you, then hey. But most of the time, it, it takes longer, actually, to achieve all of your goals when you're trying to do everything at the same time. Exactly. You know, I think when you focus on the one thing. Um, so, yeah, for me at the moment, it's just those three goals. It's to, pay, to clear that last credit card, um, to start investing and uh, yeah, to do something with my property that can actually bring some money in. I love it. And I love that you, you know, you have a side hustle. And like you said, you know, COVID has taught us that, we can't rely on one source of income. Similar to you, I also, when I started my financial journey, I had a side hustle and that extra money I put towards my debt. I have a day job, so I work for TFL. I actually work as an assistant project manager and my job just pays my bills. Like as much as I love TFL, but they just pay my bills. They don't do nothing else for me. They, they, it doesn't help me to become debt free or to save or all it does is it allows me to pay my bills because that's what our jobs do. I have not met anybody. I have not read anybody's book 
if you're listening to this podcast and you're out there, please get in touch with me. If you know anybody who has become financially independent just by having a job, every single successful successful person out there, even if they had a job, they had other things that they were doing to bring in income because our jobs are not designed to help us to become financially independent, not with the amount of responsibilities that we have, the cost of living, you know, debt being thrown at our face. So we definitely need to have more than one income stream. So I love that you you have a side hustle. And yeah, you're already thinking about financial independence now that you have this asset. How can you make it into a good debt as opposed to a bad debt, whether it's paying extra towards your mortgage, even if it's a hundred pound a month extra, or you're using that money to invest for a second. There's so many things that you can do. And I always say to people, even if you're not sure what to do with the money, save it anyway, because then when the opportunity comes, you have it, but there's no point in saying, well, I don't know what I want to invest in or I don't know if I save what I'm going to use the money for, so I won't bother. Well, no, because actually the people who were saving, right, even though they might have thought that, oh, buying a house, getting on the property ladder was a goal that was way out there, the fact that they were saving, when the pandemic happened and stamp duty were removed, they were more or less ready to buy a property because they're like, oh, I already have 15 grand. I thought I needed 20, 25, but now that I don't need stamp duty, I'm ready to buy. Um, Vice versa, when they introduced the 5% mortgage, and I know with that, um, the 5% deposit, I know with that, you may have to pay a little bit more interest, but it's those people that were saving that when the opportunity came, they were able to grab it. So you're able to do the same, you know, get in a tenant in and whether you know what you're going to do with that extra money or not at least you have it there coming when the opportunity comes you know exactly what to do with it yeah absolutely I'm so excited about your journey and I'm definitely going to have you back by the end of the year for you to you know tell us how that you know the rest of the 6k um, debt repayment has has gone So you've shared a lot about us and I feel like our listeners have definitely, you know, got to know you. We know your story, how you started and what your why is and how you've in just such a short period of time. And this is what I say to people and anyone who is just getting started on their financial journey. You can make it happen. It doesn't matter how much debt you have, right? I had £18,000 of debt. I was able to become debt-free in 22 months. Don't focus on the number. Just have the goal, create a plan, and work towards it. And it doesn't matter whether you're able to just pay a little bit at a time, but as long as you have that goal and you focus on it, it will be possible for you. So I'd love for us to kind of jump into the house buying process. Um, Mm -hmm. You did a right to buy. Um, yes. For people who don't know what that is, would you mind just very briefly just explaining what a right to buy is and just talk us through some of the, the steps. There are roughly about, you know, five steps. It just depends how you break it down. But talk us through the, the process or your process, how it was like for you. Yeah. I mean, for most uh, council tenants or local authority, Tenants, why I'm saying that is um, 
my property was actually council property when I moved in, but then a housing association took over. Um, but because it was initially council, I had preserved right to buy. So Love you it. still have the same, you know, right to buy. So I thought I'll just say that side note because some people may also live in a property and they think, well, it's not council, it's housing association. But if it was previously council, you know, you still have the same preserved right to buy. So um, anybody who yeah. has a housing association, they should look into that, isn't it, to find out whether or not that clause is there that they could benefit from. Definitely. So, so you have the right to buy, as in, you know, right to buy from your local council, your local authority, or it can be preserved right to buy if a housing association has taken over, you know, in the meantime. But then if you're a housing association tenant, it could also, also be right to acquire. Yeah. Um, so I think uh, the misconception sometimes as well of buying properties for people is, oh, I need a deposit. I don't have money. I can't buy. Yeah. Um, you know, when it comes to right to buy, you don't actually need a deposit. Yeah. Um, so obviously the property is valued. Mm-hmm. Depending on the amount of years you live in your property, there will be a discount applied. And mm-hmm. that discount is then is seen as the deposit. Yeah. So there's actually no deposit to pay. And, and I think that was something I didn't know for years. Yeah. You know, I Thanks. was like, oh, I need to save for a deposit. I need to save. And then. It was when I spoke to a mortgage broker, not my friends, because my friends don't know Jack about, (laughs) you know, so we have to speak to the right people. And then that was when they said, you don't need a deposit. And I was like, okay, so this goal is actually more achievable than I thought. And that was what made me kind of double down on, okay, I need to get my financial house in order so that I can make this happen sooner. Absolutely. Same here. So, yeah, I mean, the steps uh, that I took, I think the funny thing is because I'd already previously taken the step, I kind of knew what to do. (laughs) Um, So um, your local authority um, will have their own form. Um, So you can contact them for it. If you have an online account with them, you're just doing the search bar right to buy. But if they don't have that on the Gov dot uk website there's also a right to buy form it's called the rtb1 application form um you then fill in a few details it's very straightforward kind of what, what you normally would fill in on forms as in you know your personal details the addresses that you've lived at from when to when um you know there's just a few questions on there really it's it's not long-winded at all uh you send that off um i would say send it recorded and then you get a next step is you wait for your um, landlord's response. Um, so they will give you a response and kind of uh, tell you what the value, what they're valuing the property at and how much discount you will receive. You usually receive an answer within four weeks, um, unless you've been in your property for less than three years. It could potentially take up to eight weeks. Yeah. Um, if you're not happy with the response, you know, you can talk to a citizen advice bureau, you can speak to a solicitor. Um, you know, for, for me, it was, um, you know, I was dealing with a mortgage broker that was actually introduced to me by someone that I do a side hustle for. <laughs> but, you know, so it's, it's good as well to talk to people. But as we said earlier, the right people, you will receive a, a formal offer uh, within eight weeks. Obviously, they value the property and everything. They actually send someone to value the property. Yes, yeah. Um, well, uh, what I personally did 
knowing that there was no deposit to pay and everything, I did get my own uh, structural building survey done as well. Um, as I said, that? how did you go about finding a suitable um, certified surveyor to do that? Yeah, uh, the Google Queen. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, you know, I, I typed that in and then kind of one of these uh, sites came up that compare prices. Mm. Um, I didn't want to pay too much, but not too little that a shoddy job would be done. Yeah. Um, so I looked at reviews um, and everything and I just kind of picked one or two uh, I called them uh, and I just well the one that I felt made the most effort and sounded the most knowledgeable I just went with them so it was a bit potluck really but I'm glad that I chose who I did um they didn't have to do this but they literally didn't charge me extra I wanted them to go onto the roof I'm on the third floor of the flat which is the top floor mm-hmm. and because I've I've occasionally had leaking problems in my kitchen when it rains. Remember the torrential rain in August? Yes. Yeah, literally it was raining in my kitchen. So obviously for me to buy that property, I need to know what's going on. So they didn't charge me extra. That would be a risk that you would be taken on as the homeowner. That's what I mean, yeah. So, um, you know, I made sure that uh, part of that building survey that they went onto the roof. Mm. And I just what I found with the building surveyor, they, they could have charged me extra for that. You know, at one point we had to cancel it because it was snowing, so they wouldn't be able to see anything on the roof. <laughs> so we had to, uh, you know, move it to another date. Um, yeah, and I, I got the report, obviously. He told me what was going on there. Um, and I've had confirmation as well from, um, I'll, I'll call it the Council Housing Association, my local authority. Yeah. Um, you know, got uh, confirmation that, you know, if that were to happen again, that, you know, they are actually responsible for that. So I've got that in writing because obviously I provided, look, you know, look, this is what's going on. Because, yeah. you know, to be honest, if that if they wouldn't be responsible for that part, maybe I would have thought twice about that. Um, then obviously I wanted yeah. to know about the cladding because I didn't want to be one of the uh, people that are sadly going through that at the moment. I've actually got a friend up the road um, that's stuck in a property that has got the cladding on. Um, so it, it was just kind of uh, things like that. Um, didn't don't want it to sound like I was focusing on a negative, but there were certain risks I wanted to eliminate because, as I said, I didn't have a partner to discuss this with either. It was it's all going to be on me once yeah. I buy that property. I, I got drain survey done. I paid extra to have drain survey done because I know that there's something wrong with the drains. Mm. And my local authority isn't the best. I won't name and shame them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't trust them one bit. And when it comes to repairs and them getting things done, they're just very slow. But I think it's important to done that and you did the right thing. You know, it's an investment to make even before you buy the property. But like you said, it's such a big financial responsibility that once you buy the house, the onus is on you. So you need to know what you're getting into. You need to understand what you're responsible for, what they are responsible for. And make sure that, you know, for example, you've got it in writing that they're responsible for the roof. I've also got them fixing the drain issue, even though I couldn't get them to fix it before I bought the house. But I know that they know that it's their problem and they're going to resolve it at some point. Um, so, yeah, I'm really glad that you mentioned that, actually, because it's important for people to 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 do additional checks themselves. Yeah, because what happens is obviously the bank sends someone, but it's, it's just a basic survey. 
They just um, around the house and just they were in five minutes and left again. Yeah, exactly. You know, and then obviously the local authorities send their evaluators. But you know, it's good to also do your own. Just keeping in back of your mind. You know, if you are looking to buy um, your local authority flat, that um, that investment that you make in paying that uh, for the building survey can actually save you. You know, thousands. <laughs> you know, if if there's kind of underlying problems, because I think another curveball was thrown at me um, just before buying it, where I received a letter saying asbestos containing materials have been found in property similar to mine. So obviously, when I saw that letter, I was like, oh, maybe there we go. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, maybe I should not buy it. <laughs> you know, so I was um, obviously about to chicken out. So I kind of. Uh, went through finding someone that's knowledgeable knowledgeable about that as well. And, um, you know, the, they do actually do yearly asbestos surveys. Uh, and I managed to get hold of the latest report for my building. Brilliant. Uh, I read, read through those pages. It was like 60-something pages long. Oh. And, and I was there just, you know, sifting through the pages, trying to find the, yeah. you know, there's asbestos and they've got to sort it. But, um, yeah, I mean... The very small kind of amount that you know the, where it is and things is it's actually not here. To be honest, asbestos is a dangerous substance uh, if disturbed. Uh, but on the other side, I also thought to myself, I've been living here since two thousand four. If it was really so bad, I would I would have had health problems by now. <laughs> it's well because I I work in construction. And any old building, there's likely to be asbestos. It's just. Yeah. As long as you don't tamper with it. Um, but it's good that you read through the report because I guess in the future, if you want to do works to the flat, then it's something that at least you know in case workers come that actually the house is asbestos free. But asbestos is everywhere. It's just when mm-hmm. you're tampering and touching things and knocking things down and you get exposed to it, that it causes yeah. a a risk to health but you did your homework girl you really I took my time I mean when I first actually um contacted them about buying a property it was October 2020 and I just completed in June so I took my time I did my research you know so I that think was, um, that was in June in October 2020 and then you you um, completed in June 2021 yeah, I mean, I did uh, I did accept the offer and everything sooner. Yeah. But then when all these kind of little things kept coming up, you know, yeah. I just thought to myself, you know, I was um, approved for the uh, for the mortgage and I saw the date that I had was until the 15th of July. So, yeah, I actually had until last week to decide. <laughs> so I just thought to myself as long as, you know, I, I do it before then, before the mortgage yeah. offer runs out, then then I'm fine. So I definitely did do my research. Mm-hmm. And I think um, just having control and a grip on my finances now have actually made me into a person that will research things more and take yeah. the time more. You know, before it was just all about, oh, whatever. If I want the house, I've got to sign. I won't read the, read the terms and conditions because if I want it, I've got to sign. I would be a bit like that, you know. But yeah. now I've actually really taken my time. You know, there's been even times that I've thought to myself, Tash, you've been umming and ahhing about buying the property since October 2020. You could have been paying the mortgage, you know, nearly a year by now. But I'm just glad that I did it how I did. I needed that peace of mind. 
yeah. before um, you know going ahead with purchasing a property. Um, I think maybe what I haven't said as well is, you know, my mother and my father, my parents do not own a, a property of their own. Um, so, you know, part of buying the property as well is that I can personally leave something for my kids, so their grandkids. Um, you know, obviously lead by example. It doesn't mean that I will never sell the property. Obviously, yeah. that I could do that. But um, just want to show them the ropes as well um, to create generational wealth. Love it. Absolutely love it. So you've yeah. talked us through the application process. You've talked mm-hmm. us through um, the offer being made. So, you know, yeah. knowing what the house is going to be sold to you for, how much discount, um, the valuation being completed, and you also doing your own checks and getting your surveys done to ensure that you're happy with the property that you're you're buying um and you said that your mortgage um broker was introduced to you how did you go about finding a solicitor well it was actually the mortgage broker that I was dealing with um he obviously has a lot of contacts as they do um and he said that he could recommend someone that specializes in right to buy properties So I just that's thought, another thing, isn't it? Not every mortgage broker or not every bank's offer um, mortgages for right to buy. So having a mortgage broker that can get access to lenders that do right to buy. So not not to cut you, but when I when I applied, yes, because it was in the middle of the pandemic so many lenders were pulling out of right to buys because they were like, it's too risky for them. Because for us, we're seen as risky because we're not putting anything in. Yeah. So the reason why lenders ask for a deposit is because you're putting in something. You're also making a a huge sacrifice. Whereas for us, we're literally, it's all on the bank. Because even though our discount um, acts as the, deposit if you like but we've not actually put down any physical cash so a lot of lenders were pulling out and we had to like keep applying 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 um Mm. so yeah continue apologies no no no, that's absolutely fine yeah I think that does need to be said um you know that it's uh important to get a solicitor that actually knows about right to buy um because there, there will be some things that are slightly different um I mean, I educated myself, you know, kind of during the pandemic as well, before even applying that some uh, council properties, for example, right to buy properties that have decking access, you know, sometimes you can't actually get a mortgage on that. So that just means, for example, you've got a four storey flat and, and all the flats are next to each other. And there's kind of you've got like that, what would I call it, a balcony or you know, access yes. to all the flats. Yes. Um, sometimes you can't actually get a mortgage on that, you know. So it's it's important to just be with a solicitor that knows yeah. about those things. She could tell me as well that I only needed contents insurance because they yeah. already have building insurance. Yeah. Um, if you don't know that, you end up getting both. Both, yeah. Um, they're not knowing. So, yeah, definitely, that's definitely um, advice, I would say. Deal with a solicitor that kind of, specialised in right to buy properties and has a lot of experience in it so I've been really happy with her uh so that was really great um and yeah maybe one side note as well uh when you get that valuation 
you may not be happy with the valuation, there is a possibility for you then to um, have uh, a district valuation. Mm. Um, so another valuation. However, if that valuation comes back higher than your initial one, you can't then go back and say that you want the previous <laughs> valuation. You then have to go with potentially the higher. It yeah. could be the lower, but you know you don't really want to take that chance, do you? Yeah, um, I think that's it's probably wise to get an independent one, and then yeah. maybe um, matching it against the independent one as opposed to asking for re evaluation. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's, I mean, like for my place, I, because you kind of look at the um, market value anyway. Yeah. So you kind of have an idea, you know, what the other house prices are going for. Um, but I, I didn't think to challenge them or anything because I was already getting a huge discount. Um, mm. And I, because I was, you know, going through the process during the pandemic, I knew that any action I took it was just going to slow down the process even more mine took over a year mm. I submitted my application in 2009 no 2020 January yeah I didn't close until 2021 May it yeah, just dragged so much yeah in the end I just thought you know what when it happens it happens I just let go of the day I just let them take as long as they wanted and I, I found that I needed to stay on top of everybody. And I don't know what that was like for you in terms of managing the local authority, your broker and the solicitor. There was a point where I had to kind of check in and every week I'll message everybody and be like, right, are you waiting for me on anything? Is there anything you need me to I do? what you mean, yeah. Yeah, because- I mean, for me, yeah, I must say... Um- I was actually quite lucky, to be honest. There was uh, a lady from a local authority. Um, I don't know. We just really got on. Uh, she was very helpful. She was also a mum. Uh, you know, we ended up kind of having like weekly catch-ups almost. Yeah, love it. And I've, I literally, that reminds me, I actually want to kind of uh, send a, a positive review about her because she actually was very supportive, I must say. And uh, when I was talking about kind of the occasional leaking problems I've had in my kitchen she was like no you contact them this is the number this is that you know do this do that you know don't buy if they don't confirm that they're responsible she was even though she was from the local authority herself she was just very very supportive and she knew how everything worked she uh, outlined everything you know so I was in that respect quite lucky because my local authority is also not the, the fastest I think the it was actually the local authorities solicitors were the ones that took the longest because my solicitor had to keep on chasing them. Yeah. You know, uh, at one point I even said uh, the date, you know, the, the mortgage office going to expire soon. Have you heard from them? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that happened to me as well, where I got a letter to say that, you know, you were, if we don't hear from you, we're going to withdraw your application and I was like no you're not because I've waited this long and then I had to start making phone calls and chasing and apparently you know there was something that was sitting with somebody and I had to chase that I found that my mortgage lender was the slowest and they're like known to be quite slow in their process but again like you said just having a solicitor 
that understands the right to buy process. She's worked with this particular lender before. So she was like, Esther, they are really slow. You need to be on their case. So she would always copy me into emails so that if after a few days they didn't reply, I would be like, hello, you know, anyone heard my solicitor sent you this has been four days. Can, can I have an ETA on this? And, um, but yeah, it was, yeah, it was like a, it was an interesting process. Like just even speaking to you, it's all coming back. It's all coming back. I wouldn't want to do it again though. I'll tell you that. No, I think now, um, I think now because I've gone through it, um, you know, anyone kind of friends, family that have been, you know, contemplating buying it, I just feel like now I'm in that position to say, you know, if it's something you really want, you know, at the end of the day, not everyone has to be a homeowner. It depends on, you know, your why. Why do you want to do this? Um, You know, but I I feel like I'm in a position now to say it's not as scary as you think. Um, you don't have to have a deposit you know I think for, for me I think the only what, what I kind of saw as a downside is that there are extra costs involved for me now I, I am going to be paying a bit more than the rent I was paying yeah uh, and there's also service charges to be paid mm-hmm. same thing um, yeah. luckily uh, I found out that I was in credit uh, my rent was in credit and it actually covers uh, the first year of service charge yay yeah. direct debit so literally within a few weeks they sent me a bill I was like come on now just let me settle in give a sister a break literally within a few weeks they were like right service charges sinking fund charges and it came up to about like let me say six to eight hundred pounds so they give you the option to either pay it all in full or to set up a direct debit till I think till October or something so I was mm. just like, let me just set up the direct debit. Um, but they don't mess about. They do not mess about. You know, they are going to send you the bill straight away. So it's amazing that you saved the year on that. And I guess one of the things you can do now is just have a pot, um, whether you're putting £50 a month or £100 or just whenever you get spare cash, you just bong it in there. So yeah. next year, when they I'm send you the charge. Yeah. Yeah, um, no, definitely. You know, all of these extra charges, it's although yes, it's extra expenses, you know, that property belongs to you and you exactly. already have equity in the house. So once the five years go and if you decide to sell, you've made a profit from that house. And you yeah. know, whether you decide to sell or buy somewhere else or rent it and buy somewhere, like you've already made so much more than what you're putting in right now so it's exactly yeah Yeah, and and this and I think it's just um a mindset thing you know because I was very much looking at all the ifs and oh and if I do that oh it's going to be more oh and then I did some analysis on kind of over a, a longer period of time and it kind of came out this calculator that I found I'm always finding these financial calculators then I put some figures in and it kind of showed me you know, over the next 10 years or so, um, that buying is still actually more cost effective than uh, renting. Because yeah. what I've got to remember is, yes, I was paying less rent than the mortgage I'm pe- going to be paying. But, you know, I do have uh, rent increases every year as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 
back in the days, a council, it would maybe be, you know, a pound or two more. But for me, it was in a region of £30 a year that would come on top. And, you know, I'm sure that would have increased again as well. So before I knew it, I would be paying what I'm paying now anyway. Exactly. So I might as well, you know, uh, buy it and, yeah, as I said, make it into an asset at some point and just have something for my kids, do something for my kids that my parents unfortunately didn't manage to do for me. Yeah. Legacy is so important. And I think anyone who, you know, has a council property and you have to be ready to buy it. You have to be ready. And being able to be in control of of your finances is a very important part of being a homeowner. Um, But anyone that has the opportunity, you know, do what you need to do to kind of take advantage because it is it's it's an asset that we're kind of sitting in. You know, yeah. like when I when I did my net worth calculation, so I updated my financial plan once we bought the house and we recalculated our net worth. And so before we bought the house and we had the debt three years ago, our net worth was like minus 18,000 because we had 18,000 pounds of debt, no assets, no savings. And then we bought the house and then we recalculated our net worth and it's like 109K, you know. Yeah. But then I don't, ta- that money isn't tangible, right? I can't cash it out right now. I can only cash that out in five years. But it just, like you said, it's a mindset thing. It's how you look at money. It's how you look at debt. It's how you look at your assets. So something like just buying uh, my council flat has increased my net worth to 109000 mm. Like for me, that's a game changer because- I'm like, okay, if I stay on the path that I'm on, which is stay out of debt, um, build my savings, continue investing, in five years' time, that's going to change the trajectory of my, you know, financial situation. And so, yeah, yeah, and some people, it's not for everybody, but I think if you're in a position to do it, if not for yourself, for your family, for your children – if that's the only legacy that you leave for your family, then hey, why not? No, absolutely. I just think uh, sometimes also look at other dreams and aspirations you have in life. I mean, you know, depending on where you're from or, you know, your ethnicity and everything as well. It could be that, for example, myself, you know, I've always said to myself, I would like to spend a year in Jamaica, my ethnicity. Um, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would like to just go for a year. And I'm just thinking to myself, you know what? I, I could do that. I could actually rent my property out on a 12 month contract and I can actually go to Jamaica for a year if I want yes. to. And yes. the that I would get then from the rents and then maybe do, you know, kind of little bits of bobs while I'm there. Um, you know, you can do it from, from anything. Maybe I could teach English. I could do some, do some dance classes. You, you know, you can just kind of uh, open up opportunity for you to actually even do some of the things that you've dreamt of I mean you know you don't necessarily even have to sell your property what if you rent it out you go you know back home for for a while and you decide you want to stay there and you've still got a property that's been rented here that's you know your mortgage is being paid and most probably a bit on top that can help you in your own country there you go and you know financial success financial independence it gives you options you know you're not just like cornered um, or feel that you have to stick with one thing. It really does give you that freedom and it gives you choices. Um, is there anything else that you want to add about the, the process? Um, 
Um, let me just see. I mean, yeah, I think we've kind of gone through uh, the extra costs. Uh, I mentioned about insuring the property that, you know, before you get building and content insurance, often the freeholder, which would be the uh, local authority, they often have the building insurance, so you only need the contents. Um, I think, yeah, adding to it is, you know, it, it's, it is a financial, um, how can I say, yeah, it is a commitment that you make, but I just don't think we should be so fearful to make that commitment. Um, you know, now that I've got a mortgage to pay as well, I feel like there's more, even more drive when it comes to my side hustles, mm. um, you know, because in the back of my mind, I know, okay, I've got a mortgage to pay. Um, I mean, you've asked me earlier about my financial goals. I have been watching a lot of YouTube videos as well during the pandemic about repaying your mortgage early, as in £100 more a month could yeah. sometimes trim, I think, about three years yeah. of your mortgage. You know, at the moment, I'm still researching and contemplating whether that works for me personally, because as we said, personal finance is personal. Yeah. Um, you know, there's some people that say do it, some people that don't, but in the end, you have to do, you know, what's best for you. Yeah. But um, I just think in the same way that I saw how much interest I could trim off my credit cards by repaying at such a rapid rate, you know, being able, if you could do that with your mortgage as well, that is just, that's amazing, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't want to give anybody a penny extra than what I need to give them. But exactly. like you said, it's how you do that is going to look different for each person because I guess yeah. that it, it will be determined by what your goal is for the house and whether you choose to live in it, whether you choose to move somewhere else. Um, yeah. Like I would want to move from here um, because my, my flat is quite small. So mm -hmm. I would want to move. And so I'm like, okay, this house, this flat could potentially pay itself, but yeah. I'd like to use the equity from this house to pay off wherever I'm moving to. And there's so many different options. So the learning never ends. The goals never stop. You know, you pay off the debt. Now you're moving on to right. What's the best strategy for me to buy my house, to pay off my mortgage or to have more than one property? The possibilities are endless, isn't it? And that's why I say to people, financial yeah. journey, it's not a destination, right? It's a lifestyle. So yeah. your financial journey it evolves with you. You know, as yeah. you pursue one goal and you move on to the next season, the next phase, it, it just becomes something new. You learn new things like we've learned about mortgages and surveys, you know, structural surveys, drain surveys. <laughs> like before that would have just been, you know, woo language to me, you know. Exactly. That's, um, yeah, and I, and I just think as well, uh, not to scaremonger, but I have sometimes heard, things about maybe at some point sorry right to buy maybe coming to an end or you know phasing out at some point I'm not sure when you know there's no deadlines been given but if for example right to buy isn't going to be around forever if if it's something you have been playing you know your mind has been playing on you know go and look into it because you never know at some point it might not even be available yeah, and what you're saying is so true because they're not really building any new like council flats. They're not really, they've slowed down with that. They're yeah. 
compensating with, you know, paying the difference in housing benefit. So I won't be surprised if in the next 10 to 15 years that is taken away. I would not be surprised at all, you know. Um, yeah. I know that people will be will try and fight against it, but if it's something that the government and they're probably planning towards it anyway, you know how they plan these things from like 20 years ago and they take baby steps. Yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely if there's anybody that's been contemplating it, um, we don't know how long the right to buy um, is going to be available. So yeah, that's it. it. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying that everyone, you know, buying a property is not for everyone. Everyone has their own personal views and uh, goals and, you know, kind of reasons and whys. But I do think that if it's something you've been, just like me and you, Esther, you know, maybe you've even applied once before, uh, you've chickened out, you know, and it's still kind of playing in the back of your mind that, hmm, I wonder what it's worth. You know, get, just just get in touch with your local authority. As we said, you never know, right to buy not be around. You know, you see more and more shared ownership and things like that. And, you know, in my opinion, right to buy is definitely better than shared ownership. Because at least, you know, you're in the property and you don't have to keep on, yeah. you know, part of the ownership and then the value property keeps going up and until you can actually sometimes you can never fully own it you know so um yeah definitely if you've been playing um around you know with the idea um and obviously you know like like Esther said earlier you know I mean I'm still in debt even though it's much smaller than it was mm-hmm. uh, but yeah I have managed to do that so don't let that put you off um yeah. if it is something that you that you're looking to do don't let you know your debt situation um, you know, put you off. I, I could just recommend, you know, pay as much high interest debt that you can. That yeah. was that has been really my focus because I just knew, okay, if I'm going to buy this property, um, I do want to free up my disposable income that is not all going to debts. Um, so um, yeah, just be focused, disciplined, mm. um, and even if you don't want to buy a property, you know, not everyone has to. That's yeah. just what I want to say, but. Uh, if it is something you've been contemplating, um, yeah, just just have a look into it. You know, it's uh, it's a great feeling. I feel like I've got even more pride uh, in my flat. You know, uh, I've kind of got more. Let me ideas. ask you: Did you did this happen to you? Right? Because I really need to know that I'm not the only sort of crazy one out out here. But I've got two kind of experiences from buying the house. I. Once we bought on completion day, it just felt different. It yeah. felt so different. It's so weird. I can't explain it, but there's a different kind of feeling. But I also just wanted to blow it up and like redecorate. Yes, like, absolutely. Because in the past, it's kind of been, you're restricted in what you can do. Yeah. Um, in your house, you know. Um, I mean, now that, the journey that I'm on I'm not going to jump and you know splash cash on a new kitchen bathroom and everything but I'm just getting so much more ideas um and I don't know there's just a different feel like there's even been times where I've looked in the mirror and smiled at myself saying you know you just just so proud you know you just feel not proud in a bad way but just yeah I've done it you know you said because it's not just this is a thing for us. It's not just buying a house. Do you know what I mean? Like yes. it's the journey. It's the people that we have become. It's the sacrifices that we've made. Exactly. It's us having a goal and achieving it. 
it's more than just a house and it could have been any other thing. Do you know what I mean? And for some people, it could be a house. For some people, it could be paying off that debt or having that three months emergency fund or, you know, planning for the future. It doesn't matter what it is, but it's just that sense of pride when you have a goal and you achieve it. You know, Absolutely. and it's something that we should pat ourselves in the back for because it takes a lot of work. No, it definitely does. Uh yeah, I just, uh, I don't know, I feel really relieved. I think sometimes I'm still pinching myself. And guys, I can see Natasha on camera and her face is just lighting up. Um, <laughs> she's just smiling, just, I absolutely love it. So, you know, Natasha, we can actually, this could end up being a two-hour podcast, right? Yeah. I was just looking at time thinking, oh, I've been rambling on too much. <laughs> no, it's, it's amazing, it's amazing, and... Um, you know, if I have to split it into two parts, I would, because I feel like you've given our listeners so many um, great nuggets. And I just love how open and honest you've been about the journey. Um, mm-hmm. And I know it would definitely benefit our, our listeners. So just to kind of bring it back to you and your journey, um, would you mind sharing with us what tools that you've used um, on your financial journey, what books have you read? What podcasts have you listened to? What apps have you used? And what's been your support network? Yeah, so um, initially I started watching YouTube videos. Uh, the Humble Penny, for example, I started watching Mama Fertha. Yeah. Um, most probably heard of as well. Um, then when I kind of started thinking about buying properties, there was uh, something called uh, something niche, something, I can't remember, but if you put in the word niche and then right to buy property, it all come up. Um, so I started first just literally watching YouTube videos, making notes, um, and then, you know, come beginning of this year, the 1st of January 2021, uh, I ended up starting a page on Instagram at Finance Reboot is the handle. Um, and there I discovered more pages that also uh, are all about personal finance, including yourself. So, uh, you know, I, I started listening to your podcast, Boss of Money, um, also Black Girl Finance uh, bought their book. Um, also, they had a uh, kind of Black Girl Finance Fest kind of all all day event online during the pandemic. By the way, guys, all of the resources that Natasha has mentioned so far, they are UK based. And I love it because there's not a lot um, of UK sort of resources available. No, absolutely. You know, so it it, it was, it's very much um, what the resources I've used has just been really to educate myself. Uh, There's been times where I've even thought to myself, I work in the financial sector. I should know this. (laughs) <laughs> you it's not know. that straightforward though is it it's no, not at all no so um for example I think you know every kind of person you listen to on YouTube or every podcast you listen to mm-hmm. you know you will take some nuggets from there and yeah. whatever kind of really speaks to you you can use that and apply to your own situation for example my daughter's 18 as soon as she mm-hmm. turned 18 we opened the investment ISA and that was after we turned into Mama Fertha. You know, because I just thought to myself, okay, I didn't do that when I was that age. <laughs> Actually, at 18, that's when I first got into debt. So let me change the narrative for my child. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, so it's, it's been that. And, you know, 
kind of the usual rich dad poor dad um really made me open my eyes the book version and then also the audible um version um you know richest richest man in babylon you know so it's it's been actually you know especially when i set up my own page that i started discovering more and more you know pages and i love your page i absolutely love it i get you know because i'm on my own journey as well and as much as i educate I also want to be motivated so I get motivated by what you share and your journey which has really inspired me to just be like yeah let's to keep going you know there's oh. times where I need it spoken to me and so yeah. I'll go on your page and I'll be like yeah that's it you've got to pay yourself first yet yeah, you've got a budget yeah no exactly so that's um yeah just in listening to aspiring uh, stories, everyone's got their own story, and um, very often you can recognise yourself, you know, in certain stories. Uh, I mean, as I said, it was especially when I listened to your podcast on, you know, right to buy. Mm. That was, you know, at one point I was even thinking of, well, maybe I shouldn't go ahead with this, especially with the asbestos letter that came and this and that. You know, I just thought to myself, oh, can I be bothered with all this? <laughs> And, uh, you know, I listened to your podcast and literally uh, that was it. Uh, that same day, I'm sure it was, that I signed all the day after. I just thought, yeah, that's it. I'm going for it. Yay! You know, so thanks as well for inspiring me. Um, and oh, yeah. You are most welcome. And you know that podcast was a spontaneous one. I, you know, it wasn't the next one to do, but I just felt led to just kind of, just share it because it was such an emotional time when completion happened I it took a few days for me to kind of realize okay you've just bought the house it's yours now and that was a really emotional podcast that I recorded but I just felt that I had to let people know um Mm -hmm. you know that sometimes life gets in the way and you know there can be excuses that we make for not doing things and those excuses they can sometimes be our reality or they can just be excuses that hold us back. And it's yeah. just deciding to push past that. Um, I'm so, I'm so happy for you. I really am. No, oh, thank you. <laughs> I really am. So, um, you know, you, you've shared with us your future goals and sort of what next is here. So just in, in closing, um, is there anything else that you want to add or, that you want to share with our, our guests, the floor is yours. Yeah, I, I just think um, if you are listening and you're um, in debt, kind of maybe just like myself, kind of, you know, not just in debt now, but kind of, kind of, dec- you know, a decade or two, that you kind of always find yourself back at the same place on this debt merry-go-round. You know, it's... Um, it's really refreshing, you know, when you actually do something about it and that, you know, you can listen to podcasts, watch YouTube videos, but if you don't take action, you know, if you don't change anything, nothing is going to change. And, you know, I'm not sitting here saying it's easy. It definitely, it is not easy. And I think what made it easier for me, as I said earlier, was lockdown because, you know, (laughs) I had no choice really than, you know, I was at home. There was, there were, were no um, expenses, you know, not the same expenses as I used to have, obviously. Um, but, you know, sometimes, you know, even when you're maybe feeling down and depressed all the time, you know, it can 
actually have a lot to do with your finances because yeah. finance will bring a lot of stress. So I just want to encourage you that it's definitely not um, an easy road and there will be days where you feel like giving up and you just think, oh, you know, I can't do this. Um, but I can just tell you on the other side, and I'm I'm still not fully on the other side. As I said, I've still got 6K left to pay back. But, you know, the liberating feeling it gives you, because, you know, being in debt actually prohibits you from moving forward. Yeah. Um, you know, the retirement age is going up and up and up. Um, you know, so it's it's important to plan for your financial future and also be an example you know to your children especially if you know you look at your family maybe and it's not really been the greatest you know financially maybe you've always been kind of told you know money doesn't grow on trees you know kind of scarcity mindset yeah um but you know um obviously it's not all about you know money and they say money does not make happy I definitely don't believe money makes happy you have to just look at uh, celebrities and things that they do and you think they're living living it up and they're happy it doesn't mean that they are but what I can say is um, financial stability and just having control over your finances and knowing where you're going with your finances having a goal for it it definitely gives you more options mm. in life um, you know it could even be that you've always dreamt of having your own charity or going out somewhere and doing you know good for the world yeah. you know money doesn't make happy but that money can actually change other people's lives as well so I, I think I'm going maybe a bit too deep in this but it's just um kind of what's in my mind <laughs> yeah yeah that, which is just kind of me freestyling here um but yeah it's it, I just really want to encourage uh people that are struggling with that um that you know you can actually get out of it and if you if you just kind of think to yourself oh you know, I don't, my job doesn't pay well, you know, everyone has unique skills yeah. that you can actually be paid for, um, you know, to add an additional income. I mean, myself, I'm not, I'm definitely not um, a hairdresser, not a professional hairdresser, but one of my side hustles is braiding kids' hair. Um, I do kids, I do kids because they've got smaller heads. <laughs> you know, and they usually fall asleep after five minutes. Yeah, and you know, my, as I said, my job is uh, quite full on, so um, kids suits me personally a bit better. But it's just you know, I used to do my friends' hair was at, at school, and you know, cane rowing, braiding, and stuff like that. So it's not necessarily that I want to be a hairdresser or set up a business, but it's it's things like that. Those kind of you know, make, sacrificing weekends instead of you know going out, actually going and you know braiding hair that has helped me. It's not just my job, you know, these extra things on the side yeah. have actually um, helped me do that. So if, if you're in a job and you think to yourself, oh, I can never pay that debt back on my salary, you know, look at, you know, what are things that you enjoyed when you was younger? You yeah. know, you actually have, you know, bring those back alive. Yeah. And, you know, with the online space these days, you can be, you know, paid for your skills for, for, for nearly everything. You know, there's always someone that can learn from you. Everyone is unique. And there are people out there that want to learn from you. And, you know, you can, you can obviously be paid for that as well. But you never know. That could even change everything for you that maybe you wouldn't, you know, later, further down the line, you might not have to do, you know, the job that you're doing, if you're not, especially if you're not enjoying it and, yeah. you know, you don't feel appreciated. So, um, 
yeah I think for me it's just all about encouraging people and letting them know it's okay to have down days where you just feel like giving up but you know as long as you don't give up you know that's the main thing you can do it yay you can do it Natasha's done it I have done it there are so many other people that have done it in different circumstances and you know today this podcast interview has been so encouraging and it's been just amazing just to celebrate your success to celebrate your journey um and like I said you've just been so open and honest and you've given us loads and loads of gems and we are really rooting for you you know on your journey on your dreams and goals for you and your family and I have no doubt that you're going to do it you're already doing it you know and like I said this is for many of us, this is a lifestyle. It's not a destination. We're not trying to get rich quick. We're trying to, you know, build a legacy and we're trying to be good role models for those around us. And we're trying to just be happy. And it's not that we are defining our happiness based on what we have, because at the end of the day, we're going to leave it all. But like Natasha said, you know, when you're not in that comfortable space with money it can cause a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety and a lot of the time we can control that do you know what I mean there's things that we can do to kind of control um you know stress and anxiety that that money brings thank Absolutely. you so much so Natasha where can our um, listeners find you yes so um I mentioned earlier the Instagram uh, page I've set up at the start of this year on the 1st of January is at finance reboot you'll recognize it by a very bright yellow profile picture <laughs> yeah, I love the page I just love it whenever I'm on my Instagram feed and I just it just pops up it just brightens up my day <laughs> yeah yeah yellow is uh, my favorite color uh, and it just for me it just kind of means you know brightness you know future you know, just shining, <laughs> you know, so um, that's where I am at the moment. So be sure to follow um, Natasha, send her a DM, um, send her some love. And um, again, you can find her on Instagram at Finance Reboot and her website is going to be up and running very soon as well. So you can stay connected with her. Amazing. Thank you so much, Natasha. Really appreciate you being here. Me too. Thanks for having me, Esther. And uh, thanks for continuing to inspire me as well. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you again for listening to Boss of My Money podcast with Esther. I hope you enjoyed listening to today's episode. If you would like me to answer any of your questions, you can include your name or it can be anonymous. Send your questions to esther at bossofmymoney.co.uk. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast. I would really appreciate it if you took the time to also rate and review this podcast on Apple. Stop by at bossofmymoney.com for more details on how to get started on your financial journey and start mastering your budget.